welcome to Namespace Podcast. I'm here. I'm with Derek. And we are going to talk about something really exciting today. <laughs> yeah, so our topic today is fixing the gender wage gap. Uh, we're going to start with some generic gender wage gap stats, and then we're going to get more into gender wage gap in tech industry specifically. And we have a lot of different um, perspectives we're going to come from here based on different uh, articles in our own experience. Yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, you got to have a little science in it, but it's also very sensitive, personal topic. So mm-hmm. it's going to be a good mix. I think yep. people are going to get a lot out of this. So definitely an episode you want to tune into. We'll try to keep it under an hour. We promise. <laughs> yeah, we do have a lot to say, though. So let's let's go ahead and get started. Um, in terms of non-tech specific stats, one of the ones that is most popular that you hear a lot is women make 79 cents for every dollar a man makes. And that one does not specify occupation. It doesn't specify. Um, yeah, so that was, I, I think, the statistic that kind of kicked off the whole movement and mm-hmm. Uh, it basically just took the median salary for women versus the median salary of men. Uh, and it threw out like how many men were working compared to how many women. Uh, mm-hmm. Just a really rough number. But still, there's something going on there. Um, when you break it down a little bit, we get a bit better on that wage gap. But there's still one there. Uh, right. And so there was a Harvard study I think we got to mm-hmm. that was putting it closer to like the 80s. Right. Yeah, the Harvard study came out in 2009. So that can give some insight because it's really difficult. Like there's so many variables. But yeah, the Harvard, the Harvard study was specifically talking about business school graduates, MBA graduates. Um, So rather than the whole general uh, just men versus women in the working industry, it was, it was a little bit more specific and also the education was specific. It was MBAs. Okay. So maybe I'm recalling it wrong that it wasn't a Harvard one. Uh, so there was at least two studies. Uh, one was about MBA graduates. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, but the one I was talking about kind of covered business tech and science. Oh. And that closed things down to about 80%. But go ahead and finish the, the Harvard MBA one, because that's really insightful uh, as a historical perspective. So go ahead and finish with that. And we'll move on. OK. Yeah. Yeah. So the Harvard one, um, it showed that after one year after college, women were on average making 115K a year and men were making 130K per year. Nine years after college, women were making 250K per year and men were making 400K. Um, So those are the numbers associated with that research. Another specific detail that we noted was that um, the research shows that the gap closes as women enter middle age. So it's kind of um, around like the maternity period where after that, women start rising back up. Okay, so that's the Harvard study that I was yeah. referencing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that covered, you know, a range, not just that MBA study. Oh, okay. Um, but maybe I screwed up my notes there. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, <laughs> we have links to everything, so yeah. you know, we'll rectify that in the notes. But that one specifically talked, uh, or it, it mirrored what the findings were in 
about the NBAs is at the start of the careers, they were actually very close. And then in the late 20s, early 30s, there was a dip, which was noted that this is like peak childbirthing years. Uh, and so a lot of women were out of the workforce or, you know, limiting what they were doing in their career to raise children. But then after that, uh, you would see it climb pretty steeply until they were pretty close to equal again. Uh, and with the Harvard or with the MBA study that was done, you know, that was a year after graduation and then nine years after graduation, which puts them right into that late 20 mid or early 30s uh, range, which kind of explains like that huge difference of like 60%. Yeah, there's um, a big difference there. You know, but, but these were some of the historical perspectives uh, and studies done mm -hmm. uh, that, that definitely highlight highlight some of the issues. Yeah. And especially with the MBA, it just highlights how big that gap is in business specifically. Like there's other industries um, where there's not as big of a gap. Like actually the other study, which was not really a study, it was um, the AAUW uh, article. It was just some article based on a compilation of a bunch of different studies and stats that um, this group came up with. They're a group for um, empowering women in some way. So I, I don't remember the... I think AAUW is like the Association for the Advancement of Underrepresented Women. That I, sounds good. I think that's what I read and it makes sense. Uh, <laughs> and forgive us if we got your organization name wrong. I apologize. But uh, they had an article out there that was, here's the facts about the gender wage gap. And I thought that was a really great place to start mm -hmm. uh, because the people that are going to really track that is the advocacy group for that, mm -hmm. you know, segment of people. Um, and, you know, even there, though, I still think we saw it was somewhere between like the 80 and 90 percent wage gap. And we should say when we say there's a 80 percent wage gap, it's not that men make 80 percent more than women. It is that women make 80 percent of men. So for every dollar a man earns, a woman earns 80 cents. So w when we're throwing out those percentages, that's what we mean by it. Yeah, definitely. So um, so yeah, to to diverge from business specifically, this one talks about different occupations. So with computer and math, um, that was actually among 10 perfection professions with the lowest wage gap. There was 84.9. Now, it's still like a significant number just because, you know, they, they there is a number, there is a gap there. But um, there were other occupations that had a much higher wage gap. Um, and one that I'll note is management. Um, this was a 75.8% wage gap. And um, I thought this one was interesting just because something that I've always heard and um, I guess kind of noticed in the tech industry is that um, there's there there are there are women i mean there's men and women but management uh, i definitely see more men uh and i guess in pay as well the men in management uh that's that's a little bit more of a, a wage gap than just developers or programmers we're going to talk a little bit more about like the whole management and representation yeah, as well for later sure. uh cuz we had some interesting personal experiences with that as we got talking about this mm -hmm. so uh, you know, once we get through the statistics, we'll get to the, the more fun, juicy stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah. And just just an interesting note that we thought would be good to share is that some of the other lower pay gap occupations were um, social services, health support, architecture and engineering, surprisingly entertainment and sports that was included. I thought that was one of the biggest areas of wage gap. But um, according to the website for AAUW, um, there was less of a wage gap there. The uh, higher wage gap occupations were doctors, sales, law, and then business and finance. Uh, I was definitely taken aback by the lowest wage gap is in sports because right now the u.s women's soccer team is suing for equal pay compared to the men's team yeah uh and and we're not going to get into you know sports here too much but one of the arguments is uh fifa the organ like the international organization that runs the world cup uh just doesn't pay out as much for the women's tournament and so you know the the nation's like oh well there's a bigger issue uh and you can't hold us responsible to it but with a minute bit of political commentary, if you'll allow me, uh, you know, if we're going to lead the world and how, you know, we should live our lives and treat people, you know, we, we can't be passing the buck. Mm-hmm. Political commentary over. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um, yeah. So that that was that that article, I guess, because we're in Austin, Texas, we thought we would mention that Texas ranks. Shh. Don't tell them where they can find me. <laughs> I, I think we've talked about it, but I think so too. <laughs> yeah, um, it's so Texas is ranked twenty third in the country. Um, I guess twenty third best. It's half. Yeah, it's about it, halfway. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was ranked from like uh, the number one being the lowest wage gap to fifty being mm-hmm. the worst. Uh, Texas was twenty third, uh, so it's. You know, in the top 50%, I think Wyoming was the lowest mm-hmm. or it was ranked 50th. And California was the highest. California was number one. New York, surprisingly, number two. Oh. Uh, and OK, so I say that because um, we haven't emphasized it enough. The business type uh, occupations had the highest wage gap. And I always think of New York as like finance, banking, business yeah. to its core. Um, so I would have expected New York to be a lot worse off, but you know, yeah, I guess they're that's doing what the something numbers... right. I guess. Mm-hmm. So and, okay, uh, let's actually talk about that real quick because we're going to get into the tech stuff. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the studies that we looked into uh, made the note, and we came to that conclude this conclusion ourselves that business specifically has the issue. Uh, Or you have like a very strict schedule, like you have to meet with clients at a certain time uh, and it's much more rigid and less flexible than things like the sciences, where if you're running experiments in a lab, it's mostly self-directed work. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if you do it at 2 a.m. versus 2 p.m., it doesn't matter as long as it gets done on time. One of those studies actually talked about uh, pharmacists who used to have a really big gender wage gap. And right now it's super close. It's at like 92%, mm. uh, which is, you know, almost solved in my opinion. And they noted that that was when there was locally owned pharmacies, usually run by a single proprietor uh, versus now where most pharmacies are owned by big corporations, Walgreens, CVS and are open 24 seven. So a like 
2 a.m. or a, sorry, a 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. shift is just as good as the 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. shift. Yeah, yeah, I think that plays a big part in it. So I guess some of the arguments just for why there is a, a gender wage gap overall, that would be a big one is because um, a lot of times women have I guess um, can't adhere to as strict of schedules during that time where um, where they're having kids just because. Right. And that's the, the big part there. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. So <laughs> no, no, me. it's OK. I mean, I was just going to say, well, it's because culturally and stereotypically, the, the woman is the one who's doing all of the uh, taking care of the kids and the housework and stuff like that. I the, mean, technically the, the research also also shows that women take the lion's share of the child rearing homemaking responsibilities. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like just because that's happening um, and typically men uh, see themselves or become like the more breadwinner person in the family, uh, that that would just be another reason why there's a gender wage gap is because uh, women are more busy at the house. So for sure. So that's that's kind of a cultural one. And then also, um, well, in terms of the the studies that are that don't separate based on occupation studies like the 79 cent a woman makes is a dollar a man makes type study like those don't separate based on occupation and women tend to have occupations that don't make as much money. It's like so many teachers, uh, nurses are women, and then so many financial people, salespeople, business people are men. So, of course, the number is going to be skewed when you don't look at the number by occupation. Right. So that's really big. Um, and the last one we had here for arguments why there's just a gender wage gap overall um, was direct pay discrimination but which we were talking about like i don't know did you get this list somewhere specifically or was it yeah so this actually came from the aauw site gotcha uh, and those were three of the reasons they cited for why there's a gender wage gap and so the first two i was able to kind of reconcile put my own words understood i don't know 100 percent what they mean by direct pay discrimination but to me that was uh Somebody who was hiring, deciding on a, a salary, saying, oh, that's a woman, I can pay her less. That's the way I interpreted it. I have a really hard time believing that that exists because <laughs> yeah. that's just not me and my character. But I'm always surprised because I have heard stories where that happens. And yeah. I, every single time I'm dumbfounded. Well, I def see, I, I didn't read it like that. I read it as it could be conscious or subconscious. Um, like one of the things we're going to get into for uh, minimizing the gender wage gap is not basing salaries based on previous salaries and like not disclosing your previous salary. So it's like if a woman is coming from uh, a lower salary job or something and is trying to make more money um, as someone who is offering salaries might offer her less just because she previously had been making less and it, you know it might be it might be subconscious it might be conscious like you don't really know um i think that 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 third bullet point is kind of just a catch-all for could be i didn't write the <laughs> list but i don't know um again i figured if anybody's gonna be where we should get the perspective of why there's a winner Winter gender wage gap you know that was the site yeah 
Cool. So um, before we get into specifically gender wage gap in technology, we just wanted to issue kind of a disclaimer that these topics are really difficult to discuss. And even the numbers are, you know, the numbers may not be 100 percent totally accurate just because there's so many variables that play into how much a person's salary is. Um, it's not always just gender, you know, like if if you're comparing a guy and a girl, the um, the only real way that you can compare those based on gender would be that both the man and the woman have to have the exact same educational background, like the exact same like bringing up the exact same years of experience, things like that play into it. So with taking those out of the picture, um, sometimes it's difficult to come up with a concrete number. Um, I mean, a lot of the times there are, there are more men with technical credibility yeah. than women in the workforce. But we're, we're also going to get there. And I know for sure I'm going to be talking about this, that uh, well, once you reach a certain level and you bring a certain amount of technical knowledge, uh, the work done actually varies greatly. Um, it, and I, I'm of the mindset, even when you're sitting there flipping burgers, it's like, oh, everybody does it you know, exactly the same. So we should have flat pay there. And like, for the most part, they're right, but there's still things you can do. You can be more social at the counter, be friendly, make people feel welcome. Yeah. I had one server at this restaurant. I go to this place all the time. And for the first time ever, a server was like, Oh, you should try those hash browns extra crispy. And like, it changed my life. (laughs) <laughs> I don't order hash browns there ever anymore unless they're extra crispy. And it's just like little things like that. You still provide more value than somebody that's just doing the bare minimum. And as you move up in, you know, technical requirements for a job, that starts to vary a whole lot more. Yeah. And so like- that makes it even harder to pin down, especially in these, you know, high tech kind of jobs. Yeah, like those qualities aren't going to play into the statistics. So it's like women might not being paid as much as the guy just because I don't know, maybe maybe in this specific case, she's not working as hard. You know, you never know. It's like it's difficult. Um, You you have to come up with really good sources for these numbers. And that's why we tried to find some reputable websites. Then I think we came up with some really good ideas of how we can help close the gender well, no, okay, not us specifically, because <laughs> uh, to a certain extent, you all are responsible for closing your own personal gender wage gap. And as we all start to do that, you know, the one in society will close. But uh, went on a tangent there, and I totally forgot what I was saying. Uh, but we, we've what we're we're advising is kind of taking out that. Uh, oh, we're comparing apples to apples. This person has the exact same skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Yeah, we're we're gonna we have a lot of um, ideas for things that we think will help individuals in closing their own personal gender yeah. wage gaps. But I think even before we talk about that, a kind of subtopic I wanted to throw in here is why are there more 
men than women in tech because I think that it plays into it a lot. Um, a lot there's a lot more men than women that that have these technical positions. Um, and just from my own experience, something I wanted to bring up was uh, I was leaving uh, one of my clients recently because I'm a consultant. And I was talking to the one other woman on the team of like 12 people. And she was saying like, um, you know, she's going to miss me. She wishes that we could still be working together. But, you know, I have to go to my new client. And she mentions, um, you know, I do a lot of interviews at my company. And every time we're interviewing a woman, I really want to hire them on because it's not that often that you get to interview a woman. But um, but it's not it's not like they're going to be the perfect hire every time. A lot of the times there are more men with technical capabilities. Just there's more men in general interviewing. Um, and I just thought that was an interesting thing to hear how she mentioned, like she's trying to bring more women into the company. But sometimes it's difficult because uh, sometimes or a lot of the time there's men interviewing with more background just because there's more men interviewing in general. So you know, that's, that makes it difficult to get more women in the company. Uh, and uh, in addition to that, which is something you mentioned of more women need to be doing interviews. Mm. Uh, You know, when you mentioned that, like I stopped and I had to think back. Every job that I've ever had outside of college, I haven't been interviewed by a single woman. Like the the recruiter HR person that I initially talked to uh, is female, but has very little technical knowledge. So I can really say whatever I want and like, all right, cool. We're going to send you through. And then it's for me, like I just sit down and I, I talk with the guys uh, but then for from your perspective, that's actually a very different scenario. Yeah. Yeah. I was honestly, I was happy to hear that she was doing interviews because I think that's super important. Like in the in the section on um, like things that we think can be done to close the gender wage gap. That's huge for me is more women interviewers, because uh, I just remember I was telling Derek about one specific interview I went to where I was interviewed by a dozen men. It was like a few different rounds, but every time two or three people would walk into the room, it would just be more dudes. And uh, for me, not it was, you know, of course, I, I, I like to be in a environment where there's other girls, it's just more comfortable. I felt like every time it was just men walking in in management positions. Um, I don't want to say it was necessarily like intimidating because, you know, you're in a if you're working in tech or have been working in tech, you get used to the fact that there's a lot more men than women. But it also just made me not want to work at that company because if the only people in charge are men, that just doesn't sound um, like the best environment for me. Like I prefer to be surrounded by, um, women in power and, you know, not just, I guess I'm not saying that all my managers have to be women, but I just like to see that there's career growth opportunities for women at a company. That's important. Um, but yeah, that's, that's huge. And I guess just in general for why there's more women than men in tech, I read a really long article. Um, It was an interview with uh, Reshma Saujani. 
She's the founder of Girls Who Code. A lot of people may have heard of that corporation or I say corporation. It's like a nonprofit. Yeah. Organization is the right word. For that. <laughs> so, yeah. So there's an organization um, uh, empowering women in technology to learn. And uh, anyway, she had a really interesting perspective on why there's more uh, men than women in tech. And her, what she was saying was that women are often brought up to be perfectionists. For example, if you have a daughter and you put her in a gymnastics course and she's not doing well, she comes home crying, she she says she doesn't think she can be good at it. Um, you, you know, it's like, okay, the parent can take them out of gym, gymnastics and put her in uh, swimming or something. Whereas um, with boys, a lot of the time, rather than perfectionism, it's bravery that's rewarded. So if a boy is very upset, they're not doing well on some sports team they joined rather than just saying, it's okay, just try, try something else. Usually the answer would be, um, no, like you can do it. Like stop, stop being upset. <laughs> Push yourself harder. Push yourself harder. So it's kind of that mindset um, of perfectionism versus bravery. And in technology especially, um, yeah, it's good to be perfect. But if you are perfectionistic, it's going to be difficult to advance because um, in in technology and the tech industry, it's bravery that's more often rewarded. Like if you're going out on tangents and doing um, more daring tasks, that's what's going to get you noticed rather than, um, you know, just rereading your doc strings to make sure they're all perfect all the time and things like that, that I think um, are more associated with perfectionism. Those won't be as noticed. And a further indictment of the industry, uh, to that, like perfect doc strings, good code quality, that kind of stuff isn't as valuable to businesses because they just want the product out and they want it out first. Yeah. And the more that they can be churning out, the more value they feel that they are providing their customers. And that doesn't lend itself well to the detail oriented perfecting work mm-hmm. uh, that I know you are especially good at. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I hate to say women in general are, but from my experience, <laughs> the the women that I've interacted with most, they're much better at that kind of stuff than I am. Yeah, maybe specifically women coders. Like, I don't know. I, at least, I, I don't know. I was the only woman on my development team for a really long time, and I was definitely the most detail-oriented one. 100%. Uh, 100%. So... The other thing that I've noticed, um, so over my years, I've... Uh, mentored several women uh, that wanted to be programmers and every single time they're like, Hey, I have a question or I go over there to talk to them about something. They always pop open a, a notepad or a Google doc or something. And they're always taking notes of what I said and like, Oh, we're going to review this later. And I have never, and I, I've mentored probably twice the men that I have women and all of them are like, Oh yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And like <laughs> not a single note is written down. Like, are you gonna remember this in an hour? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. As you were talking, that yeah. just clicked into my head. No, I mean, I think I think about that too. I think, um, well, a lot of times. Okay, I I, I don't want to just be talking stereotypes still, but like a lot of times, I think that when a when a man asks a question after the question is answered, they want to respond with. 
oh, okay, yeah, thanks. I kind of already knew that. Or, oh, okay, thanks. Yeah, that I just remembered. Or I don't know. Like, I, I think that if a man like goes and writes it down, the answer, it makes it more obvious that they were unaware. And maybe it's like this um, confidence thing or needing to appear um, like they know everything. It's a masculine trait. But it, of course, I'm saying like, these are all stereotypes. You know, you never... This is just we're talking from experience, but all like we have some stats, but also just some stuff we've noticed. Yeah, the the fun anecdotes kind of it's like oh yeah, that's stereotypical, but it, it says something too. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we we don't want to you know just be like oh because stereotypes. That's why there's a gender wage gap. Get over it. Yeah, I know that's definitely um, not what we're trying to say. And I mean, with the whole perfectionism versus bravery thing, um. Like that does become a stereotype, but, uh, I mean, you know, as a parent and as a mentor and as a teacher, you can, um, you can allow women to fail. Like you can show them, um, no, it's good to make mistakes. Like there's things you can do to kind of change people's mindsets as, uh, you know, if you're trying to help other people, especially be better at coding, it's great to encourage people to make mistakes. So Anyway, that's that's a lot of um, information on why there's more uh, more men in tech, but specifically management positions. There are so many more men and um, uh, we, we talked about kind of that whole maternity area for whenever women are, you know, early 30s, like late 20s ish. You start thinking about having a family Um I mean, that's usually the time period when in your career you would either be just going up and up and up and going into management positions. Or um, if you're a woman who wants to become a stay at home mother, you kind of jump, you kind of drop off the cliff for a second there and then come back in after after taking care of your kids for a while. That's exactly what was in that study, which I guess was like the Harvard MBA slash other things. Yeah, study. I, I think the confusion is coming from the, the same researcher did both. Oh, <laughs> I can't remember her name. It was something Godin. Yeah, sure. We we'll have the link in the. Yeah, we'll we'll have her name in the links. Yeah, but yeah, I mean that would be a big reason why there'd be more men in management, and I don't well, know. And historically, uh, you know, you you get to a certain level of the technical, and you jump over to management midlife of your career you know and that that's just how careers progressed uh, that's kind of the thing from the 50s you know you go up and then you move over to management then you move up the management ladder and then you retire and everything is good mm-hmm. uh, and so men having been predominantly in these tech roles uh, as they've grown in their careers then they shift to management and just there weren't the number of women there to shift into management it was a numbers game yeah i think it it could should change yeah i actually think that you don't need the technical experience to be hired directly into engineering management i mean for sure uh, it it helps it's nice if you do but uh you know the same person that you were talking to that said oh i'm trying to hire more women in yeah uh no technical experience but she got shit done oh (laughs) she's great yeah that's why she was a manager and she was great and all of the male engineers of under her that i talked to were like oh yeah she's really good Mm -hmm. so it's like 
yeah, it, it helps, but it's not needed. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I have at least one counter example. <laughs> we mm-hmm. both, same counter example, but. Oh, our other, the engineering manager we worked with who does have technical experience? No, no, no. The, like the female without technical experience that's oh. a great manager. I'm saying we both have a, a case study. It just happens to be the same case study. That's true. Anyway, yeah, um, I don't know. I, I mean, I threw this one down as well for a reason there. No, no backup to prove it. But I was just thinking, I mean, it could be that um, men more often agree with men and like to validate themselves. And so, uh, you know, if you're interviewing somebody for management and they kind of seem like you, you might be like, oh, you're great because you have the same ideas that I do. Um I don't know. I could just see that I could see there being a subconscious bias in men wanting to hire men just because they uh, I don't want to say like get along, but like, you know, just have similar conversations and ideas about things. I don't know. I'm no psychologist, so I'm not really going to touch on that. But people generally like people that they agree with. Yeah. So it's why we started a podcast, because we generally agree with each other. (laughs) If we disagreed, we probably wouldn't be talking. (laughs) That's true. We do agree a lot. I don't know. If you have input on that, let us know. I mean, uh, that was just a random note I put down, just a thought. But um, okay. And then one more thing before we get back into gender wage gap specifically, but why should there be more women in tech? Um, This is all you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, a couple of things we already talked about with um, tendencies and behavior and perfectionism for women. I mean, I was the most detail-oriented perfectionistic person on our team. And, you know, if everybody were like that, it might not be a good thing. But having me um, as one person who was like that, I know that I would be doing code reviews and like finding tiny bugs that, you know, I, I just go so in detail when it comes to code reviews. So because we worked on this team together, yeah. I'm comfortable saying that. Uh you know, there, there's a time where we're releasing a public facing API and there was one person on the team that thought like the customer and was like looking at the documentation and making sure what actually went into the API matched up. And I swear at one point you created two weeks worth of work of just like, hey, guys, all this stuff is a mismatch. We need to correct it. Yeah. Uh, and like kind of sucked, <laughs> but it was very needed and very important that we did that. Yeah. So as we've already said, an API is only as good as its documentation. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, I think it, it was a valuable perspective to have on the team. One that wouldn't have been there if you weren't there. Yeah. I mean, I, it was something that I had been thinking about. I was like, oh, if we're going to release this public API, then we need to go through this uh, Swagger doc because it does not look... I mean, I just knew that it was, you know, for not not consistent uh, looking. Like, it didn't have a pretty consistent look, which I noticed that. But I also knew that there were some uh, slight inaccuracies. And, um, you know, as much as I prefer coding than writing documentation in the back of my mind, I was like, I'm the only person on the team who's going to be willing to go through and do this in a really detail oriented way. So, um, yeah, it's like good to have people like that. And I don't know if it's a stereotype. I mean, it is a stereotype to say that women are perfectionists, but, um, it's good to have people from diverse backgrounds on a team. And I think that, um, that's one reason why having women in tech is good. 
Another thought that I've noticed a lot in listening to podcasts about women in tech and whatnot is besides perfectionism, there's also a sense of empathy that you get from women. That's, uh, you know, of course, men can have empathy as well, but stereotypically uh, women are more empathetic. And uh, I think that that kind of comes into play when it comes to who you're coding for. Like, I think that women on a team can maybe more often be thinking from a customer's perspective or having like a more product oriented mindset, maybe thinking about even other developers on the team when they're writing their code. But just having... um, I mean, having a product oriented mindset is awesome. Like we've already talked about that in our should product owners know how to code episode. And I don't want to say that that's um, specific to women, but I, I could see I could see women having that trait more because of the whole empathetic thing. I don't know. I just I do think that they're uh It's good to have people like to balance each other out and whether that be men and women or just people with different traits, you know, I think balance is really good. Yeah, well, so uh, I don't want to jump the gun here. I said we were going to try to keep this under an hour. So let's get to the juicy stuff like let's. Oh, yeah. We got some advice for how you can solve the gender wage gap. And that's what you're all here for. Right. Mm hmm. and, and a lot of this has been found by these research studies is if you do this, uh, a lot of it has just been other people saying you should do this. And some of them are conclusions we've just come up with. Uh, one, pay transparency. Like Yes. One, as coworkers, as friends, as family, you should be talking about what you make and you should be comfortable. You know, there's an old adage where you don't talk about politics, religion or finances in polite company. And we got to get over that finance one if we want to close the gender wage gap uh and it also just yeah. gives more power to the employees over the employer uh pay secrecy which is actually illegal i, I think it's and you, you can check the notes it's sex and i didn't copy paste that part it's what you didn't copy and paste this okay so <laughs> it's like section seven of the national fair pay act uh that actually makes it illegal for companies to uh, retaliate against employees that share their own uh, salary or wage information. So my manager couldn't share what I make with Jordan. Uh, but if Jordan wants to tell me what she makes or I wanted to tell Jordan what I make, the manager can't do anything about it. Um, so flat out here, I'll, I'll say it. My base salary is 100000 So Jordan can edit out and post salary if she wants. Uh, but in that, pay transparency. Yeah, I mean, so you don't have to share yours. Uh, yeah. it's, it's scary. Well, I don't even I know. I don't even know what I make. They haven't released our raises yet. It's been forever. But um, there you go. anyway, the thing is, like, I think that um, it's I think that it's very helpful and important. For example, uh, I was applying to fill one of Derek's old positions at one point. So I asked Derek what he made because it's like, well, I want to make the same that you did if it's the same position. Right. Um and in a case like that, I think that it's it's good to have conversations. I don't think that necessarily you should be um, I, I don't think that people should feel like they have to talk about it to everyone on their team, because if I, I, I think that there can be a lot of issues that come up where you find that somebody on the team is making more than you. And in your mind, you're like, but they don't contribute as much as me, or they don't work as hard as me, or they don't have as much experience as me. And whenever 
you have those thoughts, it's an issue. You know, it's an issue for your manager. People start going to the manager and complaining about their salary. Like nobody I, wants that. Well, and I can I, I 100% agree with you that if that's your mindset that you're going to be comparing yourself to somebody else, that's a time where you don't ask and you don't share. Yeah. Uh, for me, I don't mind asking and I don't mind sharing uh, because... I, I learned through trial by fire that I can't compare myself to people. Uh, so I, I went through, I don't know, two years of just absolute hating myself in life because I thought everybody was getting more than me and what was fair. And I, mm-hmm. I've gotten through that, which is now where I'm at, you know, at this point where I was like, oh, well, I provide something different than you do. And I value what I do very much. Uh, but you know, maybe the company values what you're doing more. And that brings me to the next point. So okay. T- t- to reiterate uh, what Jordan was saying, if you're not comfortable sharing that stuff, absolutely don't. Uh, but if you are at a point where you're comfortable in doing so, you can help close the gender wage gap. Yeah, especially by sharing it with certain people. It's like, it's okay yeah. if you're not very close to somebody. You don't want to just be like, hey, do you, you want to know my salary? Yeah. But no, Don't do that. Keep, keep it with friends close fo- close co-workers close co-workers and family but the okay. point that i was getting at yeah go ahead um is that you should be uh interviewing regularly yes and that's not to say that you should have no loyalty to your company there's actually some studies out there that show uh people who stick with companies longer will end up getting paid better uh you can definitely get those quick pay raises by jumping around a bunch uh, but you, then you're not building the skill set to justify that income. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the only way to know what your market value is, is for the market to tell you. So I can come out and be like, guys, I'm worth a million dollars a minute. Like, come on, why, why aren't you paying me what I'm worth? Come on. Because uh, I'm not worth it unless the market's willing and able to pay that. Mm-hmm. And so you should have those interviews where the market tells you, this is what we're willing to pay somebody with your years of experience, experience in those uh, technologies and programming languages mm-hmm. uh, f- to solve whatever problem it is they have. Uh, and so by interviewing regu- regularly, you're going to know your uh, value, your market value. And when it comes time to actually switch to a new company or to get a promotion or a raise, uh, you have information in which... Then comes the next part uh, is you need to ask for the money. Yeah. And for me, a couple of years ago when I read this in the Stack Overflow developer survey, like really clicked with me. Maybe this is why we have a gender wage gap in tech was uh, the priorities in a job that men and women look for. And the top four were the same. I don't remember what they were, uh, but the for men, the top priority was compensation and benefits mm-hmm. and then for uh, women rated that fourth so that yes. was their fourth priority uh, there's things like culture yeah women had like, like culture and environment as number one and mm-hmm. for men that was four so those two were like flip-flopped yeah but pretty much everything else was the same and we'll share the study but yeah that was super interesting because um yeah. and it it simply goes and jordan and i talked about this a little bit when interviewing for jobs i almost always say, hey, you know, thanks for the offer. If you make it this, I'll accept today. And 
I have never had that fail yeah. in a negotiation. Uh, so it, it could just be simply by if women ask for more money. And I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a woman. <laughs> uh, other than the two I know in tech, I don't know how many of them have, you know, tried to negotiate. But try it. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to plug uh, the book Fearless Salary Negotiation by Josh Duty. Uh, he's a, a salary negotiation coach and he goes through all of this about like finding your market value, uh, knowing how to talk to the business in business terms to, to get the most for your salary. Uh, and, and he also talks about how certain things are more valuable to one person than another. And mm-hmm. so this is going to bring me to I think my last point on closing the gender wage gap uh, is that it's not all about base pay. So Mm -hmm. there are certain things like flex time, maternity leave that could be more valuable to women. And that Stack Overflow survey actually ranked that higher for women than it did men was flex time and maternity leave. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you, as a single dad with two kids, the the flex time, I would say, is probably worth about $10,000 to me. Per year mm. with kids being sick with wanting to take them places uh but not wanting to do like a weekend trip back home to colorado is like oh can i take a week and work from home you know those kinds of benefits that i get right now uh they're not free like they actually translate to real world dollars and value to my life and my quality of life mm-hmm. and so the overarching advice for me is the gender pay gap shouldn't just be about base salary yeah to to a certain extent it kind of has to be because if you know you and i build 10 houses like we should get paid the same for building 10 houses uh that that should be equal but it's all the intangibles we've already talked about on top of that where you know you can get compensated in different ways for me that's like flex time telecommuting stuff uh but Fearless Salary Negotiation by Josh Duty. If you're looking for a new job uh, or, you know, up for a raise or anything like that, you should definitely check out his coaching services. Um, I've talked to him a few times over emails and I'm subscribed to his newsletter and it's fantastic. He's not paying us to plug him. I just really <laughs> love his material. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't read the book, but I'll check it out now that Derek's told me about it so much. So, for sure, yeah. it's good. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, especially with the interviewing often thing, um, I think that in general, like gender wage gap in the tech industry, it's not like, um, there might, there's probably some companies where it's more prevalent than others. Right. So it's like, if you're interviewing with a bunch of different companies, you'll find companies that are willing to pay you what you're worth. And, um, honestly, I haven't looked into this idea too much, but I've thought like, I I could imagine there being companies that are willing to compensate women more than men just to increase diversity, but just, you know, so I, I could see, I could see that as a possibility, but you know, it's, that's why it's just important to interview around and understand what you're worth and what you think you should be making. Um, and then, yeah, you, you have to, you have to put the benefits in there and figure out, um, how that's going to play in as well. Okay. Uh, I do got to chime back in because, I totally forgot. I gave a bunch of advices what you as the individual can do to help close that. But 
uh, not all of the problems are on us, the individuals, to solve. Some of it is societal. Yeah. And, uh, so for management and business leaders, uh, you should be incentivizing value metrics or value add metrics over uh, other things when you're looking to hire. So you should know like what value solving this problem is going to provide for the company and you should pay, you know, that amount because the gender doesn't actually matter of who fulfills the role. Oh yeah. Um, and so management and business leaders should really understand that kind of number before they even go out to search for a candidate. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Cause the whole idea there I remember is like, um, employers should not be worrying so much about somebody's previous salary. Like, um, you should be worrying about w the, the value. Oh, right. You, that's the <laughs> you whole, just brought up another one. Don't, don't share your, uh, salary history. Uh, yeah. and again, this comes from Josh duty and fearless salary negotiation. Cause what does your previous salary have anything to do with your current role? Um, yeah. So, you shouldn't prioritize, oh, they got paid this before. Like, it's a new role, new company. You know, what's the market paying for that? What's the value add to your business? And then pay accordingly. Right. Yeah, so that that's important. And that's, like, definitely on the company side. The other thing that's on the... That's on the company side that we already mentioned earlier is just like, please, more women interviewers. It's going to help yeah. women so much. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of these other points that we talked about, it's like uh, man or woman, like go ahead and interview often. It's going to help, you know, your uh, market rate. But in terms of uh, women specifically, like more women interviewers is, is going to be very important. Um, let's see. Um, I think like more women in management positions in general is important. I mean, that's a longer lasting topic that we've already hit a little bit, but um, I think that it, it incentivizes women to want to work for a company um, when they see women in power and see that there's co career growth opportunities for women and just the whole idea of uh, like, women pursuing careers that they see other women doing and men pursuing careers that they see other men doing. It's like more women in tech will be helpful overall. It, it, it will be a trend that changes over time. Yes. The more women they get in tech, you'll see the rate of women joining tech increase. Totally. You know, it's a positive feedback loop. Uh, and, you know, just off the cuff, I'm, I'm going to throw out more advice and maybe we'll do an episode on the whole tech interview process. Oh, we uh, will. Because... <laughs> I got opinions. Yes. Um, be more like management. Be more willing to give somebody a chance. Mm -hmm. Now, there are certain roles where you need that person that has the battle scars and just knows where the dragons lie. Uh, and it, like, that's totally fine. But 75 to 90 percent of the roles out there, it's like, well, no, I, I could take somebody that needs a little bit of growth. And as long as they're you know, going to go through that growth process, you know, and that would get more women into tech. Yeah. Like you were saying with, you know, the, the hiring manager we both worked with, oh, I really want to hire these women, but there's a guy with more technical expertise. Like, well, why not just 
give someone a chance. Yeah, soft skills over hard skills sometimes. Like if someone has that capability to learn and you can see that in them and you can see they're passionate, that is usually more valuable. Um, yeah, one other one other point I have, I, I think this might be the last one for uh, fixing the gender wage gap, but um, it's very important for women to mentor and encourage women. I mean, that's what the whole girls who code thing is about really. Um, but also like men mentor and encourage women, women mentor and encourage men. Like everybody should be very encouraging of each other. Um, I think that's going to help a lot. And, you know, as for, for young women who aren't sure what they want to pursue, it's like, um, very good to just talk about technology and suggest technology rather than just like suggesting stereotypical things. It's like by, you know, being more open about talking about tech and um, being very encouraging mentorship, all of that is just going to be helpful. Uh, I mean, that's that's a huge thing with um, the Stack Overflow Insights is like women are looking for companies where there's really good culture. So it's like if people can just bring in that really encouraging and supportive culture, it's going to be beneficial for everybody, but especially women who who supposedly value it so much. I postulate that it would be incredibly valuable for the businesses. Mm -hmm. Like I don't they would see their retention rate of employees, their profit, their customer satisfaction go up. Yeah. I am almost certain of it. I have no data to back it up, but I'm almost certain if you have that learning, teaching, encouraging culture like that, hands down, you are going to be beating <laughs> your competition. Yeah, that's that's so important to have and so beneficial for a company and the employees, like huge. Okay, very cool. So that's that's all of our points about the gender wage gap and just, you know, women in tech in general, like huge topic, of course, very sensitive, very opinionated. Yeah. So, you know, send us emails, tweet yeah, at us. I'm, I'm like, do I really want you to at me? But <laughs> at us. Yes. You know, namespace underscore pod on yep. Twitter and on Instagram. Namespace dot pod at Gmail dot com is the email. Mm hmm. Uh, you know, we're we have our thoughts, we have our opinions, we have limited knowledge based on personal experience and surveys and things we read. If we've missed something, if there's something we could have done better or talked about, you know, this is supposed to be a platform where we have these conversations mm -hmm. uh, and you know get more accountability and more availability of the information and the ideas. Mm -hmm. So. You know, just we ask, let, let's be respectful about it and have a have a bigger conversation about this. Yep. It's only going to do society good. Uh, but yeah, thanks for joining us uh, this time. And we'll be back next week with. Uh, I don't know. 100 percent yet. Maybe, okay, we don't maybe have a, we don't rethinking the technical debt. I like that. Yeah. Well, unless debt. we get an interview in, then then we'll go ahead and pop in an interview. All right. There we go. Cool. Have a good right one. Thanks for joining us. See ya.